Stupid gay guys talking about the news. Do you quit what I quit? Come ye to live for more. <laughs> we didn't do a mic check. Oh, mic check, Jesse. Are there any mics here? Are they? Check them out. How hot are they? Hey, Mike Judge. Mike Pence. Whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> Sorry. Classic downturn. Is this a mic check? Are we going to do this again? Is this how we're opening again? I will start singing and we will start losing followers. <laughs> I don't believe you. Hi, Elliot. Hi, Tom. Um, thanks for joining me. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Are you just going to sideline me and make this your show? Or is that to the listeners? Listeners, thanks for joining us. Us. Tom and Elliot. <laughs> to Dickwick. Do you? Queer what I. Queer. And uh, that's Elliot. And that's Tom. I, yeah. And yeah, some are... people, Dickwick. We're kooky and spooky, folks. It is of... October. It's October. Fagtober. Fagtober. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm full of beer and pizza right now. Oh. And I just feel like goofy and like... A um, very untwink of you. Yeah, it is very untwink. Like, I'm not bottoming tonight. Right. Or You tomorrow. can't have a dad bod. That's my thing. So get your own thing. Tom and I were debating the discourse today. Is a dad bod just straight for a bear? And and I think we realized that it is not. No, it's there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of differences in there. Yeah. Um, for more on that, thanks for tuning in. Us. Goodbye. <laughs> that was the episode. Um, I hope if you're listening, you're rating and reviewing and subscribing. And if you're thinking, yeah, I am that, you're lying. You haven't done that. <laughs> Jesus. Tom. Well, I'm just saying. That's fair. Listen, yeah. you can also subscribe Look. to this podcast if you're listening on an iPhone or like an iPad or like probably any Apple product now. You can say, hey, Siri, subscribe to Do You Queer What I Queer podcast. And she will say, Sorry, I couldn't find a relevant podcast to subscribe you to. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, That's listen. even worse. Listen, she didn't hear. That's Ready. even worse. Just wait. Hey Siri, subscribe to Do You Queer What I Queer podcast. Just to confirm, would you like to subscribe to the podcast to you? What I? Bye to you. What I? So homophobia is all around us. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so <laughs> when I first heard that, I like went into a, a rage coma. Yeah. We are being censored by Siri. I cannot believe Siri censored our podcast. Well, like, okay. Uh, She's the system. She, <laughs> She's the patriarchy. She is the system. C-I-S-T-E-M. <laughs> that is Siri. Nice one. Thank you. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it as well. However, I do need to say in this instance, I like. I feel like she may have a valid vie for protection. Do you know what I mean? Like, Apple's a pretty um, international company, and queer is still... A lot of people hear it as as a slur. Um, I, I'm just I'm, okay. I'm reserving judgment to see if is she protecting queer people or is she um, oppressing them. Right. I, I feel oppressed. As usual, you're the more reasonable one, and I'm the more passionate. Oh no, <clears throat> more um, uh, unhinged. That's valid. One. That's valid. I don't. Uh, I don't like it. I want to throw my Apple phone off the balcony. I'm not a fan. Listen, if you're listening and you work for, like, Apple high up, ask them why they're censoring us, maybe. Yeah, I want to know. 
this didn't start as this. Please subscribe to this podcast. You can t- you can tell your phone to. She'll censor you, but you can still do it. Elliot. Tom. What's your color today? Oh, my color is classic, uh, like, just the reddest of red. Okay. So angry. Okay. Um, I feel like that's not fun enough. I feel like we'll get into why we're angry, so I'm going to change it. to be fun. You can just live in what you are. <clears throat> the anger is going to come through. My color is closer to um, a pigeon wing Ew. this week. Because as Tom and I no. were, were walking home... Uh, we had cute gay sushi treats today. As we were walking home, a woman <laughs> had a, had a personal driver. Someone was driving a woman around to public parks in Toronto, and she was getting out with a bag full of ripped up bread for pigeons. And as she threw a handful of bread, like a fleet of pigeons descended over Tom and I to feed. Uh, and then she turned around and started feeding a squirrel and then got in her car and her driver drove her up a couple of feet to go feed the squirrels in the center of the park. It was the start of the downfall of my day. I it, was really riding hard. You, I even told you at Gay Sushi. Mm-hmm. I was like feeling good, mm-hmm. like feeling like a, there was a head on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then Pigeon Woman. <laughs> Just happened. She happened. Um, it's my color, though, because I like I kind of like pigeons. No. And like I'm happy that no. she's... That someone's uh, okay. No, don't don't feed them. They can find their own food. First of all, second of all, bread kills birds. Yes, like you don't. Their stomachs f- explode. You don't feed if birds you feed bread. Them. Yeah. So I guess okay. So that's the essence of my color. We're trying to do good things, but it doesn't seem like good things are happening. There's like a futility to me today. There's like a pigeon gray back wing with a lot of red, and I wish I had someone to drive me around in Suzuki to throw breadcrumbs at people. Whoa, does that make sense? Whoa. So you're saying that this podcast. Is the woman in a Suzuki throwing breadcrumbs at pigeon, pigeons version of podcasts? Yes. Okay. Yes. I hope you've grasped that, folks. I'm offended by it. <laughs> is it ruining your day? Yes. You know how I feel about lots of it, pigeons. But why? I like, hate pigeons. But like they're, they're disgusting. They're doing what they they're doing what they're going to do. We, Get out of here. We do moved it. in. We moved into their city. We no. built up skyscrapers. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if they followed the city or if we went on their land. But either way, they're here. I want them out of my fucking face. I'm sitting with a colonizer, everyone. And <laughs> he wants pigeon genocide. So, listen. How dare you? Let's, I mean, this is only minute, what, four, Jesse? Like, let's just calm down I think here. this might be your first real fight. I'm upset. Pit, he's not. Jesse's just looking at me in disdain. Um <laughs> One time I was walking down the street and a pigeon flew up into my face and its greasy wing caressed my cheek and I screamed bloody murder. It was so awful. I'm like, so sorry for doing that to you. It was <laughs> Oh my god. You embody you I am you that. embody that pigeon. I am that every You sent that pigeon to me, you fucking witch. Absolutely. Every time we talk, I am a greasy wing on your face. <laughs> No, I, I hear you. It, there's something upsetting about it. Get away from me. What's your color? Um, although you tried to uh, reroute me with that pigeon escapade, <laughs> I will stay steadfast on my midnight blue color. Ooh. I really feel like I have a sense of clarity and... Um, overall purpose mm. and um, uh, drive. Okay. And I feel good. I feel fucking good. I feel 
like the world is literally crumbling around us and the only thing we can do is is try to make a difference in our own right and I don't know if I'm doing that well enough but I'm sure trying and I feel good at least at that I love that so I'm a midnight blue I'm just on um I'm on a raft mm-hmm. in the middle of a uh, a lake. Mm-hmm. The lake is tepid, mm-hmm. and it's sparkling in the moonshine with this like midnight hue. And I'm on this raft, sprawling naked, and I'm surrounded by several pigeons, twinks. <gasps> oh, twinks might be the pigeons. Of and the, the gay twinks community. are lapping up the water. They're lapping up me. They're sort of lapping up life, and we're, like, sort of just, like, engaged in this love fest, blue, joyous raft night. Beautiful. And there are um, villagers all around us on the island, because we're in the middle of, like, a lake, Mm -hmm. and they're, like, chanting for us to die, and they're, like... (laughs) They're like holding torches, like the Brett Kavanaugh. So if like, if my if my raft like floats accidentally to the shore, I will be murdered. But at least in the middle of the lake, I'm like it's tranquil. Yeah, I wanna. I want now like a pigeon themed reading of that. So you're the bread. <laughs> you're the bread. The, the uh-huh. twinks are the pigeons, um, and the people on the outside of the banks are actually you now, because you're the one violently screaming to the pigeon. So how do you feel about that reading? I feel like I need an hour or two to, <laughs> to really sit down and deal with that. Yeah. Tom, but in all honesty, I love that. And I I feel like I can, I hope to help keep you afloat in the center of that lake. Thank you. Although I'm not you sure. You are one of my twinks if you stop eating pizza and beer. <laughs> no lapping noises. It's my water allowed. lapping. I feel very Midnight Summer's like twink lap, you know? <laughs> Am I a twink? Do we, um, I don't know what I am. I would say you're not a twink. Um, when I first met you, I considered you one. Mm. But maybe because I didn't years know ago. the darkness um, that you have inside of you. And the... Because um, <laughs> twinks are so flouncy, right? Okay. But you're not flouncy. You have a weight to you. Okay. That is like... Um, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. So... And... Um, <laughs> Existential question is twink is twink an existential category? It, does there need to be a brevity to a soul of a twink? Right. Or have you just never gotten to know a twink well enough for them to not be a twink? Uh I would say the f- former. Okay, yeah. I understand. So it's like so maybe I've only met one or two twinks in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like a true twink sounds rare. Really? Like I don't a know. pure twink? A lot of my friends are like just really bummed out about a lot of things. Even though they're like skinny and drink vodka and like people would call them a twink, you know? Right. All right. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe like, you know what? Maybe twinks are sadder now than they were before. Maybe they are the metric for like how the world's going. Like, they're oh, the canaries no. in the coal mine. They're the twinks of the canaries in the coal mine. Oh, no. Poor babies. When the twinks' hearts are broken, you know Kavanaugh's going to get voted in. Oh, bottoms up. Okay, this is like so... So last week we were like, a lot of things are going on in the world, <clears> and like, let's just not talk about them. I feel like we kind of have to talk about them because everything seems terrible. We should touch on them because it would be irresponsible for us not to. But also, this discourse is happening a lot in the media, and I feel like... People are escaping <clears throat> that for maybe us faggots? Quite possibly. Yeah. Um, I'm also not sure that like in... Uh, 
I just don't know if it's my voice or your voice that should be talking about what's going on right now. No, absolutely. Does that You're make right. sense? Yeah. It we does being, make we're sense. being way too vague. So if anyone doesn't know, and if you don't know, actually, I think you should um, start reading the news more. I was going to get really violent there, but I'm going to save that. Uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh is uh, had a hearing recently, um, and he... Yeah. I'm to address too, his... I'm too mad to even... Like, it's I'm okay. So he had a he- we had a hearing on Thursday. Uh, a doctor, Christine Ford, uh, testified that she was... Um, sexually abused by Brett Kavanaugh in 1982 when they mm-hmm. were just young youngins, mm-hmm. um, and then Brett Kavanaugh has his own testimony. I think the following day, yeah, and both were outrageous, uh, outrageous, and the stakes are the highest they could possibly be because Kavanaugh uh, is set to be or potentially set to be um, Supreme Court judge. Yeah. For the United States of America, uh, and yeah. like the highest job title, perhaps in the world, which which requires a very specific kind of um, character and of unbiased, calm attitude. Uh, right. Obviously, goes without saying, you can't be a rapist yes. um, or adhere to any sort of system that would marginalize. Uh, Things are bad. If you haven't seen this hearing, it's so he's it's so fucked it's up. Rough. He's he's, he's a, a petulant child. He's screaming fire. and crying, and um, certainly for if he were in any other kind of job interview, he would not have gotten the job. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like there's a lot of discourse around it, but it's funny because he was such a raving maniac, lunatic at like, points um, that people are always like, "Oh, women could never be in power because they're so emotional." And the, just the day prior. Dr. Ford displayed such poise mm-hmm. and such grace mm-hmm. when asked even ridiculous questions yeah. by the Republican Senate. On and that, she was on asked that ridiculous questions. Yeah. Um, and so to even compare the two is is fucking absurd. And it's not even like it's not even like we should be shaming him for showing emotions. It's just the kind of like the lack of coherency in is that a word? Mm-hmm. Coherency in yeah. his own testimony. If you're going to be a judge, you need to understand how the legal system works. He was just saying actual nonsense and derailing questions. Yeah. Um, I realize that we're talking about the thing that we weren't going to talk about. Yeah. So <laughs> it's but, okay. Last thing. Last thing. I. I uh, there's a lot of interesting discourse going around, um, and a friend of mine had just mentioned like, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be upset about this, uh, it can't just stop at this one thing because it's a very public display. Like yeah. women are. Um, sexually assaulted uh, way too frequently and if this is the first you're hearing of it then that means that you're not paying enough attention um, or that you might be unfortunately perpetuating the same system so uh, do more (laughs) do more for for more people you know yeah yeah I know absolutely it's it's time to be upset yes it's time to burn it all down past time but yes I hear you and if this is the first you're like sort of catching wind of the outrage which there, that's also impossible because the president yeah. himself is a rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Who's uh, nominated a rapist to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Who will then go on to protect more rapists. Correct. Uh, One can only assume. Like I think it was Leah shared a post on Facebook. The Brock Turners grew up to be the Kavanaugh's who then pr- make laws for the Brock Turners, um, which summed it up. Well, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any corrections? Uh, uh, not a correction, uh, but last week I said... Um, that ACT, uh, the AIDS Committee of Toronto, and Casey Lai had done a separate interview 
um, but that I would post a link to it. And instead of doing that, um, we are just hosting the interview um, on Do You Queer What I Queer's page. So uh, while it's not an episode of our show, we highly endorse it and um, it's parked there. So go listen to it, download it, share it with your friends, engage with ACT. Um, yeah. So engage with that is what I would say. Tom, do you have a cool. correction? Cute. Yeah, I have a few. Um, so everyone was hounding me last week. The word that Casey and you and I were all looking for was meringue. Yeah. We were, I don't know what we had. We said, said marzipan, marzipan. Um, what's that? What's ambrosia salad. No, it was none of that. It was meringue. That's what yeah. we were looking for. Yeah. So we know. Thank you for reaching out to all of you people. Mm, I do love meringue. <laughs> She also does look like Meringue, so yeah. I just love I'm I'm I like that people are now reaching out to tell me that I'm stupid yes. on this thing. It's very it's nice. Like it's refreshing. Like meringue harangue me. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't actually. Can you explain? <laughs> <laughs> I have another really like buffoon um uh, Correction that I really need to make, and I feel okay. really stupid about this one. Please do. Um but when I I was talking about Black Klansman, which is uh, a Spike Lee movie that I went to see several weeks ago, and when I was telling you and our listeners about it, I uh, said that Spike Jones uh, was the creator of the movie. Yeah, which is very absurd because Spike Lee is a prolific, amazing black filmmaker, and Spike Jones is a little old dweeby white guy who like directed Where the, the Wild Things Are. Did he do that? Oh my god! Or was that Spike Lee? Oh, so I I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. Because um, I, I I don't know if you said it. I thought I was like, oh, is that the Spike Jones film? Because like one of us said it and the other one agreed. I think I said it and you agreed because I know both of those directors, but I don't don't know who either of them are. Right? Do you know what I mean? I just like they both have the name Spike, Spike. Jones did that really bad one with. Um... Oh yeah, Jesse showing us Spike Jones. Yeah, that little guy. Yeah. That little guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Spike Jones did that really bad one. The one where he's in love with a, a computer. Oh, it's her. bad? Her? You didn't like it? Oh, God, no. I haven't seen it's it. Like reading a grade seven essay. I've it was only utterly heard simplistic. good things about that film. Oh, okay. Well, I also I'm, love Joaquin Phoenix, so I feel like I might like it. Yeah, you might. No, I, th- I think you're too a little bit too advanced to like this movie, but maybe. You're literally the first person I've heard that said that. Hmm. <clears throat> what are we what are we talking about? <laughs> Thanks anyway, Spike Jones is a dweeb. God love him, I guess. I but guess. Spike Lee is prolific and he's black and he you know what I mean? I would you hate, whitewashed his I would hate art. that if anyone were to think that I was yeah, whitewashing that exactly. Yeah. It was a it was a big error on yeah. my part and I feel really sorry. So I guess I'm I just need to apologize and move forward. Yep. Yes. <sighs> um yeah. I want to even have, like, a retroactive um, correction for this episode. Like, the whole... Everything that's going on in the States right now and the Kavanaugh thing, like, there's nothing to be made light of, but making light is how we cope, if that makes sense. And it sounds um, crass. Do you know what I mean? To to discuss it in this setting? Um, Yeah. So I guess this is less an apology, more just, like, a sorry. Discourse corner? Discourse corner, I guess, right? (laughs) (laughs) Discourse squared. It's like meta discourse at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fuck seriously. are we even talking about anymore? Um, hey, relax. Listen. Calm down over there, you twink. I just wanted to talk about something that I did last week. If it that's better okay, be fun, yes. Before we go on, um, I was invited to see and gladly attended Prom Queen the Musical uh, as it opened at the Grand Theatre in London. 
Uh, We've touched on it a few times before on the podcast. But it was, um, without sounding too dramatic, a night of theater that I will definitely never forget. Um, It was utterly profound. I think my one of my favorite things I've ever seen. I want you to be more dramatic, (laughs) quite frankly. I was a mess. Like I was uh, crying from start to finish. Um, It's sort of. uh, Let's go. uh, Let me tell you a little bit about the background of the play, if that's okay. Yeah, please. I actually know nothing of it. So So it's based on um, what happened in 2002 in Oshawa when a student, Mark Hall, wanted to bring his boyfriend to prom and the sort of backlash that ensued from that, uh, from not only the principal in his school, but the school board and the press. Um, He eventually won the battle Mm -hmm. and got to take his uh, then-boyfriend to prom Mm -hmm. but with uh, like it didn't that didn't happen without sort of a circus in the media happening yeah and I remember I was I was in grade 10 it was right around like he was right around my age when it happened um and I remember sort of being interested but not really caring like being a fucking apathetic 15 year old faggot you know what I mean did it scare you like um that there was like out gay stuff happening like no uh no it didn't scare me because um of my privilege, mm. I was sort of fortified in an art school, and I was like, "Oh, if I want to do this, I'm gonna fucking do it." Like, right. I was like, "Oh, I'm not worried about this." Right. Like, this fucker got roasted by the media, but <laughs> this fucker got roasted. But like, bring yeah. it on! Bring it on! Like, I hear you. If you want to do that to me? Great. I hear you. Know you. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already a brazen bastard when I was, you know, still in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? What had happened was. Don't squint. I just slowly squint squinted. your eyes at me slowly. Continue. Um, anyway, uh, a producer got hold of it. There was a play written about it. Uh, my dear friends, Akiva, Romer, Segal, and Colleen Dauncey wrote the music and lyrics for the play. So, like, I am so excited for both of them because of all of the press that it's getting. But anyway... What happens at the Grand Theatre in London, Ontario, is that there's something called the the High School Project. And what happens is every year, there's a large group of high school students that come to the Grand and they put on a production at the Grand Theatre, which is, which is a big deal. It's yeah. quite prolific. And um, this year, this was the play they were set to do. And the Thames Valley District School Board and the London District Catholic School Board pulled all the funding so they lost um they lost a ton of money wow uh but then people caught wind of it and they crowdsourced another ton of money like 75 grand for it i don't to go on whoa yeah i don't want to assume but because of gay themes absolutely because of like inappropriate themes i'm using air quotes okay um also you're gonna someone's gonna correct you on this but i think it's thames Thames? It's all, it's all London. Is it T-H-A-M-E-S? Oh, I... Yeah. Yeah, that's the Thames. I thought the Thames was... The river. The river. But it's spelled the same. It's spelled that way. Yeah, I know. Oh, but this is pronounced Thames. Oh, I just thought it was like a Canadian bastardization. No, but it's like London. Like, I would assume... Oh, you're right. It's probably mispronounced. That's As the real name. Yeah. This is unimportant. <laughs> Please continue. Someone No, correct. but you could be right. You could I don't be know. right. I don't know. I don't know. Continue. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, after the the backlash, the Thames or Thames Valley District <laughs> School Board chose to reinstate their fifteen grand contribution. 
um, which they had previously pulled. So does that mean that they got to keep the other money too? Yeah. Yay. Uh, but the London District Catholic School Board had, had stood by, has stood by their decision to <laughs> not fund the musical. <laughs> That's Elliot hissing, if no one can tell. So Dennis Garnham, who is the um, artistic director of the Grand Theatre, uh, chose to take this on. And he's an amazing soul that everyone should Google and love. Uh, and he said, our world is getting closer to equality every day. But as we look deeper into it, we realize there are different layers. This musical celebrates the fact that we need to keep on pushing for equality in all places and that everybody deserves the right to go to prom, Aww. which is cute. That is really cute. Um, I hope this can teach a younger audience to do what they believe. So the cool thing is, is that what it means in this climate in Ontario is pretty spectacular because of everything that's going on with our sex ed curriculum. Yeah. So the fact that these students and fuck, even their parents and the grant and these schools like stood behind this project to put it up is as an amazing, amazing thing. Phenomenal. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, what was the age of, like, there were high school students in the play? Yeah, they the were musical. all high school students. There were a cast of 50. Whoa. And there were 25 other students who were involved in the production. And so, altogether, it was a, a ton of students just standing up for what was right. Fucking amazing. And it was, uh, like, it, I was crying throughout the whole thing for obvious reasons. Like, my friends were involved. It was amazing. My yep. One of my best friends, Megan Watson, is the... Um, um, artistic associate at the Grand Theater. So she made this happen. Obviously my friends who wrote it and all these students who are standing up for what they believe in. It's like what theater needs to be right now. It needs to be... All art. I agree. All That's what fucking, it fucking needs, it needs to, to be. A, a statement for youth, by youth, on stage. Like it's just, it was everything that means anything to me all together, all at once. And it was a really profound moment. Oh, Tom, that's amazing. I'm so happy you got to see that. I know. Also, it's really amazing too. It's like around the same time that all the students are walking out. Yes. Well, this fact, it was the same day that this play opened, that that huge walkout happened. That's so cool. So in Ontario, um, massive walkouts around the province, right? Yep. Uh, students walked out to protest the fact that uh, the sex ed curriculum stayed cut. Um, and so uh, it's a human rights issue, clearly. It's um, anti-queer. And uh, these fucking amazing young people have taken it upon themselves to say, no, enough is enough, and just fucking walk out. And it's so amazing. Yeah. And so we, when we're sort of, I don't know, a lot of... I'm trying to be hopeful in these really, really dark times. Yeah. And if you want to be hopeful... It's easy to just look to the youth. They get it. They're going to change the world. Yeah. They're going to fix what we're fucking up. And I saw it firsthand. I was so, it was just amazing. It was oh, that's incredible. Amazing. So everyone who can go and see it, right? Uh, it was a very short run. I believe once this airs, it'll be over. Oh, that's upsetting. But um, let's just cut that then. Fuck that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. You're right. Uh, look it up. Like, go support the grand. Go support the high school project and yes. support these students involved. Continuing, um, yeah, yeah, totally. And these two ad- adorable, amazing actors who played the two leads, the two mm-hmm. boys who attended prom together. They they were just so f- full of grace, and they were both straight identifying 
and they just rocked cool. it. Like just to see them in front of that many people and their peers and their families, just like embracing that mm-hmm. and the you know for art and for social justice. It was just it was miraculous. Yeah, I mean, like in some ways, it's super cool that they were both straight. You know, because yeah. it's like such an act of solidarity. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. That is better than allyship. Yeah, yeah. That's accomplish ship accomplish ship is um, that a word? A, there are accomplices yeah. i lost all my steam as i was trying to think <laughs> <laughs> i watched it drain from your face anyway oh. sorry that's me gushing no it's great but back to dark spooky yeah that's October why i lost things. it i just realized that i had to like how am i gonna wrap that into into this it might be impossible and that might be the flavor of the show um <laughs> I don't know if I can. How do we do it, Tom? What do we do? Where do we go from uh, here? We can do it easily and simply. And delightfully. And delightfully. <laughs> Going back to what you said earlier about how we cope with things. How we cope based on this really lovely musical. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it worse. Um, but you can cope. Like, I can cope by... We can cope by going to see art. Yeah. By supporting the youth. We can also cope by fucking just sort of leaning into the darkness literally sure if you fucking if you hate um true crime you don't have to listen to the rest of this i think you should tom's rolling his eyes at me i know a lot of people who are deeply triggered by it that's all i'm saying this is a fair warning the story's pretty fucked up however the very first episode of this podcast was um, a true crime story we love true crime we love going back to our roots we love going back to our roots i'm gonna tell you the story of paul bateson Okay. Do you know it? No, I don't. And I'm really nervous. Okay. Listen. Um, also, I just want to say, Tom and I just watched um, uh, Harvey Milk. It's, <laughs> it's not called Harvey Milk. We just watched Milk. Um, and this, what I'm about to tell you, is of the same era of that. So it all kind of ties in to the 70s. Um, on January 4th, 1973, 29-year-old Ronald Cabo was stabbed to death on his couch in his apartment, which was then set on fire. Uh, he lived in the West Village of New York, uh, which is in Greenwich Village in Lower Manhattan, which I don't know if you know this, but that's where like Stonewall and a lot of uh, the modern gay rights movement was galvanized was in Greenwich Village. Um, so this was shortly after. This was like four years after. Okay. Uh, so on the 8th, so four days later, Donald McNiven and John P.W. Beardsley, um, 40 and 53 respectively, were found stabbed to death just south of Greenwich Village. Uh, they lived in the same building, but not in the same unit, and they were both found dead in McNiven's living room, which was also set on fire. Jesus. Uh, yeah. All three victims were members of the gay leather community. Uh, there was no real investigation into a link at this point. Uh, so on the 17th, in Greenwich Village again, a body was pulled from, pulled from the pier in a bad state of decomposition. Uh, the body was identified as 23-year-old Robin Barrero, and police said that it was unrelated to the other murders. <clears throat> Uh, Barrero was a member of the Gay Liberation Front, which was a gay advocacy, gr- gay advocacy group that formed directly after the Stonewall riots. Um, like, literally, like, the day that the riots happened, uh, the GLF founded. Um, Barrero was wearing leather when he was pulled from the pier. He was an aspiring writer and a Queens College student and had been missing for five weeks. Uh, yeah, okay, so the next day, on January 18th, 1973, the New York Times ran an article titled homosexuals and village fearful after series of similar killings you can actually still find the article it's been digitized it's pretty interesting um this line kind of sums up the community ethos of the time 
quote, three similarly violent murders in three weeks in lower Manhattan involving men the police said were part of the, quote, leather bar scene have sent waves of rumors and fear through the area's homosexual community. So uh, this panic kind of doesn't subside throughout this entire story, and it lasted way too long of a time. Also, I'm telling the story because I kind of want our listeners to think of the similarities as to what happened in Toronto's gay scene very recently, and I'm not, like, making an overarching statement about police or anything, but when it does happen to be marginalized communities, uh, gay communities, trans communities, uh, cops just tend to not investigate right away. At least that's what histories have shown. So that's kind of why I'm saying this as well. There's, like, a deeply political aspect to this story. Totally. Uh, And also the fact that it's really the community that rallies around, you know, Uh, which is, again, what we saw uh, in Toronto. So, okay. So 10 days later, on January 28th, uh, this is 1973 still, the police went to an apartment where the radio had been on for hours. Um, Neighbors were alarmed. They called the cops. Inside, the cops found the bodies of Nelson Roberts and his roommate, um, whose name I literally couldn't find in multiple articles. It just said roommate. And I also can't help but wonder if he was his roommate. Not that it really matters. But that seems like kind of weird. Uh, Because they also had a dog together. Um, like Vigo's your roommate and Artemis is your dog. I, I don't want to do whatever. Yeah. It's just like, that's kind of weird. Uh, Roberts had been stabbed to death and his roommate had had his neck broken. Um, and their poodle was drowned. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Check yourself that that's the maddest you've gotten, but I completely understand the dog. Yeah. It's really fucking sad. Um, yeah. So super fucked up. Uh, they were also part of the leather scene. Both of them. So soon after, body parts and garbage bags were washing up in the pier in the Hudson River um, at a gay cruising location. So because of this, the cops and the press started calling it the fag in a bag killings, yeah. which is really, really fucking... Did you say the cops and the press? Yeah. Well, that's just the word. Like, uh, that's what it was called. Oh, my God. Um, I'm trying to find an example, like how Paul Bernardo and Carla Hamoka were like the Barbie, Ken and Barbie killers. This was the fag in a bag killings, murders. Um, So the bodies in the bags were in a really bad state of decomposition. Uh, The only way that the cops could find any info was based on the clothing, and they'd actually traced it to a leather shop in Greenwich Village. Um, Yeah, okay, so nothing happened of that. So flash forward to 1977. uh, The killer still hadn't been caught. Uh, Anti-gay sentiment was said to be causing a lack of interest from the police department. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Yeah, so... uh, Nothing's changed in... I know. 34 years. I know. Uh, There was a drag queen. Her name was Tony Lee, and she was known as the China Doll. You can find an amazing photo of her. Maybe we can even just put it up on our Instagram. Um, But she was fucking stunning. Uh, She was well-known drag queen and loved in the village. Uh, She was found strangled in her apartment in 77. Uh, The Village Voice, which was um, prolific and kind of the voice of that that queer community, wrote an article about Tony Lee's murder and the murders pervading the gay cruising scene. Like, panic was obviously maintained. Uh, And in his article... um, Sorry. In his article, Arthur Bell from The Village Voice wrote, quote, "As As homosexuality came out of the closet, romance went in and bolted the door. The article was called Looking for Mr. Gay Bar. So people are fucking terrified. Um, can you imagine? Like, so many, so many things, and nobody had really even started to look. Uh, some months later, on September 14th, Addison Verrill was found murdered in his apartment. Uh, Verrill was a well-known film critic for Variety magazine. He wasn't out to his family or at work, but Arthur Bell, 
that same author, was quoted as saying that Veril had two toes out of the closet. Veril was murdered with an iron skillet and found nude and covered in Crisco. Yeah. Uh, Crisco. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like really, really they're cooking up. oil. Yeah. It was like the lube of the 70s. It's what people used. Um, so the mainstream straight press did not, uh, still like, did not seem to think there was a connection. The village voice obviously disagreed and uh, the queer community in general. So um, after Arthur Bell wrote an article, which basically lashed out against the mainstream media for not covering it properly, he received a phone call from someone who actually claimed to be the murderer. So this fucking <gasps> journalist himself. Uh, the voice on the other end of the line had actually had inside knowledge and knew how Veril died and actually could account the details of it. Um, so Bell had a 20-minute conversation with this, <clears throat> with this uh, supposed murderer who described meeting Addison in the leather scene, taking him home, uh, and the killer on the other line said, quote, something hit me. Addison hadn't been reciprocal. It wasn't the sex act itself that wasn't reciprocal. It was the soul act, too. I wanted a lasting thing, something that would go beyond sex and into a friendship. The soul act? Yeah. This guy's fucking nutso bar. Oh, like, boy. clearly not great. Um, so Bell actually wrote this in an article, again, um, publicized what had happened, uh, spoke to the police who said that this person must have been the real killer because there's no way that someone would have known that inside information. That's when a man named Richard Ryan called Bell and said that he knew the killer to be Paul Bateson based on uh, the info that Bell had given in his article. Uh, Paul Bateson was a 33-year-old alcoholic and an x-ray technician. Um, Bateson had actually confessed to him being uh, behind the fag in the bag murders. That confession was never actually tried in court like to to date those bodies that were found in those trash bags uh no one knows who killed them definitively although Bateson himself like confessed to this guy Richard Ryan like the guy who is this too confusing no 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 I'm following does that make sense yeah Yeah. so like basically they were they were friends they were acquaintances and he confessed to his friends being behind the murders um Bateson was only able to be tried for Veril uh based on based on the actual account, the fact that he had inside information, it was the only murder that they tried him for. Oh, I see. He went to Rikers Island, uh, where Bell actually went and interviewed him in prison. Bateson claimed that his drinking was the cause of the murders, um, but also was alluding to things like uh, how feminine men give gay people a bad name, and there was like all this misogyny and anti-gay sentiment wrapped up in it, um, which kind of fueled his killing as well. Um, so... This is super weird. Okay, so have you ever seen the movie The Exorcist? Yeah, um, parts of it. Parts of it? Okay. There's a scene in it where um, Ragan, who's the girl who's possessed, goes to a hospital to get a scan um, to see what's wrong, even though she's possessed by Satan. There is an, an x-ray technician in that scene who's actually Bateson himself in real life. So years prior to this, he was in the film The Exorcist, like having been an active killer. No, I don't like these facts. Isn't it so fucking no, scary? I don't like that. So then it's really fucked up. So then, um, basically, after he goes to prison, William Friedkin, who's the director of The Exorcist, realizes that one of his extras was a serial killer himself, um, and goes and visits him because he wants to make a movie based on this book, based on a different series of killings in the gay community. But Friedkin was like, well, maybe we can, like, zhuzh it up and make it about these ones, about the... Zhuzh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right? He obviously did not say that. I'm obviously no, no, I know. killing him. Um, so he goes to visit, he goes to visit Bateson, uh, and 
chats with him about about the murders and then subsequently directs the film Cruising, which came out in 1980. Oh, yeah. And uh, fucking... Pacino's in that, Yeah, right? thank you. Al Pacino yeah, yeah. stars in it. The gay community was up in arms over this because yes. everything about this case was mishandled. Like, absolutely everything. Still, he wasn't even put away for the other murders, which he had like messily confessed to in prison and he had said and he boasted about killing these people but it was never official so there's technically a lot of like unsolved crimes that this movie was revolving around uh so i love this so much members of the queer community showed up on set and did things like banged pots and pans together they held up mirrors and reflective lights and shone lights into the camera shut up they did everything in their power yeah that's amazing it's so good right everything in their power to make sure this film didn't get filmed but it did but it was like very long and strange and rambly and was initially X-rated when it came out because yes. there was like some gay porn and yes. other shit. So the film board made uh, Friedkin cut like a ridiculous amount of it. So it actually makes no sense now when you watch it. Like We just, should watch that. We should watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yikes. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So. Um, hashtag like yikes. Hashtag actually like yikes. This is directly from this last quote is directly from an article uh, it's a blog post and it's called Cruising for a Bruising, Paul Bateson and the NYC Fagnabag Murders. Quote, on March 5th, 1979, Bateson was convicted of second degree murder following a four day trial. The evidence was so overwhelming, the jury deliberated only 30 minutes before announcing their verdict. During the sentencing hearing, the prosecutor raised the specter of Bateson's involvement in the Fagnabag Murders. But to date, no one has been charged with the killings and none of the six victims have ever been identified. So, yeah. Womp fucking womp. Isn't that so fucked up? Shit. Like, actually. So I think the, oh, if we're going to take a lesson from that, it's that... a bag. Yeah, what the fuck? It's that the community... Uh, there's so much strength in a community. Yeah. Right? And that maybe sometimes officials... Well, it's gross because it's not dissimilar to what was going on here I not know. four months ago. I know. It's so fucked up. Which is what we were talking about at the outset of this podcast as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom, sorry. You no, seem really bummed okay. out. <laughs> no, I am bummed out, but fuck. Um, I'm sorry that I, like, uh, set you up for failure with my, like, tale of... Tale of, like, children utter... Children being wonderful. Utter cheer. Well, I mean, we could have just gone in a different direction, but it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to hear a bit about Harvey Milk? Yes, I really do. Okay, so we just sat down and watched this movie, Elliot and I, and Jesse was in and out like a... Flighty fairy. Typical Jesse. Um, um, how were you, how was your what were your thoughts and feelings of the film? I really really liked it. Um, I really liked the writing. It's a very heartbreaking. I really hope most of it was true. I didn't do any research on it. Tom's gonna hopefully tell me, but I don't actually know the accuracy of it. And the one thing that I would say that I have a critique of, and I say this very warily. Um, there was a lot of cis white men behind him, which may very well have been the fact, but if I know one thing from gay history, it's that while gay men might seem to be the leaders of it, it's usually uh, there's a lot more um, trans people and people of color that history just seems to leave out. So I I don't know that against the film, but as I watched it, I was just a little bit uncomfortable about how white it was. Right, it's like any media we consume these days. Those are our critiques. I'm yes. happy that it's a critique here as well. Yes. I pointed out during the movie, and this is maybe relevant or not, that 
maybe it was a lot of cis white men because they were the ones who were safe to be visible at that time or safer. Well, and like, it wasn't even that time. Like, like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, like had already, um, rioted in Stonewall. And like they they were doing the street, um, street transvestite action revolution. Like there was that movement. I just don't know the extent of the crossover because that was New York. This was San Francisco. Like, and what possibly gave milk, more clout than who you're talking about is their white cisness. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all to say that that doesn't mean that I have that critique. Like, if it's historically accurate, it's historically accurate, and that is the way it is, and that's exactly. amazing. And I lo- like love him and his party and his platform, and yeah, and great to put on our pike, pike. Yes, put and, that pike. and smoke it <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, Milk was born in the New York City suburb of Woodmere to William Milk and Minerva Carnes, which I find interesting because you and Vigo always talked about naming your child Minerva. How dare you out me like that in this podcast? <laughs> what? Tom has you made said you wanted to incessantly. Of course, I'm not going to name her Minerva. <laughs> How would I? Well, it's not my fault that you've changed your mind. It's also the worst name in retrospect, so continue. I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory on Harvey Milk. Please do. How about it, Minerva? Please. Okay. As a child, Minerva's son was teased for his protruding ears, big nose, and oversized feet. Aww. And he tended to grab attention as the class clown. Um, In school, he played football, but also developed a passion for opera. And in his teens, he knew that he had homosexual tendencies, but kept it as a secret. Like every teen. Every single teen. Every single (laughs) teen. Certainly, Jesse. So did you know that after graduation, Milk joined the U.S. Army and he served in the Korean War? Whoa. No, they totally left that out of that movie. Yep. Uh, he later transferred to Naval Station, San Diego, and he served as a diving instructor. Hot. In 55, he was discharged from the Navy. Mm. Uh, Wait, why? Like, honorably. We don't know. We're not sure. Continue. Forget I asked. We don't know. But there's a cute picture of him, <laughs> like, in a naval outfit. That, that really you know, helps our listener. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know more about discharge than I do. <laughs> I did get a little bit tingly when you said the word discharge, so. <laughs> oh, this is sick. This is sick. Um, um, so, uh, he became a teacher at George W. Hewlett High School on Long Island. And in 1956, he met Joe Campbell, mm. which was his then partner. Um, and they met at a at the Jacob Rees Park Beach, a popular location for gay men in Queens. So that's what we know what we're doing next time we're in Queens. Absolutely. Yeah. Campbell was seven years younger than Milk. And they moved in together. And Milk was known for writing Campbell romantic notes and poems. What? Who? Sorry. But, like, I do that, too. No one knows me for that. Do you like, write romantic notes and poems? <laughs> to, like, to my partner. <laughs> you do not. Yes, I do. Can I read one? <laughs> Absolutely not. 
You ever? Okay, well, that's why I'm not known. Listen, thanks for, we figured it out. I'm just confused. Did he read them to the world? <laughs> no, like, you're right. It is weird that they would put that like, in this article. Po- you're right. post them on the door? I think it's cute. It is cute. I do it too. <laughs> uh, they moved to Dallas, back to New York. Milk got a job as an actuarial s- statistician. Okay, what? Um, and they separated after six years. That would be their longest relationship. Joe Campbell was not at all in the movie. Um, so in while he was living in New York City, uh, he met Scott Smith, who we saw in the movie, obviously. As Dave but we Franco, didn't know James that, Franco. That Smith was 18 years his junior. So Milk and Smith went to San Francisco, where they lived on the money they had saved from New York. Uh, in March 1973, after a roll of film, milk left at a local shop was ruined. He and Smith opened a camera store on Castro Street with their last $1,000. Aw. <clears throat> Imagine being able to just, like, buy a shop with money. Like, that's so ridiculous. I, I have $1,000. <laughs> I might open a shop. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Today, that would literally, like, you'd rent out, like, a corner yeah. that a pigeon died on in Toronto. <laughs> you know what I mean? I For, like, a day. Our podcast is literally way more than that. Yeah, like, actually. <laughs> Continue. Any hoozle. <laughs> Uh, so in the late 60s, the Society for Individual Rights and the Daughters of Belitis yeah. began to work against police persecution of gay bars and entrapment in San Francisco. And oral sex was still a felony. And in 1970, nearly 90 people in the city were arrested for having sex in public parks at night. Lock me up, fag daddies. <laughs> Holy shit, <laughs> lock me up, fag daddies. I'm horrified like, and erect. I would just be like so arrested. Like I would just be immediately arrested if I lived back then. <laughs> uh, anyway, there was obviously uh, because of this and other issues, Milk became very interested in political and civic matters. Right. Um, and one day in 1973, a state bureaucrat entered Milk's shop, Castro Camera and informed him that he owed $100 as a deposit against state sales tax. Milk was uh, furious, shouted at the man, and he complained for weeks at state offices, and the deposit was reduced to $30. Whoa. But that's when he started fuming about government priorities. And friends also remember around the same time having to restrain him from kicking the television while Attorney General John N. Mitchell gave consistent, I don't recall... Uh, replies during Watergate hearings. He really sounds like you and me, Tom. I know this he is does. really upsetting. I know Continue. he does. He's probably more eloquent than I am. <laughs> uh, I love this. Milk decided that the time had come to run for city supervisor. He said, I finally reached the point where I knew I had to become involved or shut up. Wow. Yeah. We really went the mid route, eh? We're just going to like talk a lot about it. Continue. This is involvement, in a way, is it? Yes. Jesse? He shrugged. <laughs> Literally, he Thank shrugged. <laughs> Thanks. Jesse really believes in this. Uh, so so he was a newcomer to the Castro district. He's shown leadership. He wanted to start being taken seriously as a candidate. He decided to run for supervisor in 1975. Reconsidered his approach, as we saw in the movie, cut his hair. Yeah. He swore off marijuana and vowed never to visit another gay bathhouse. That really bums me out. Yeah, I know. But for a public officer, it makes sense. Oh, right? No, sorry. Yeah, the whole session bums me out. Yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, 
Um, Castro Camera, his camera store, became the center of activity in the neighborhood, and Milk would often pull people off the street to work his campaigns. So cool. Many discovered later, I don't like this fact, that they just happened to be the type of men Milk found attractive. Uh, That's a huge undertone in that film they don't really address, but it's kind of like, yeah. Which is also talking about twinks on a raft. Yeah, right? That's true. Bring it full circle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so Dan White was another um, political figure at the time with Milk, uh, resigned his position at the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, saying that his annual salary of, get this, $9,600 was not enough to support his family. Yeah, obviously not. Yeah. This Jesus. is Dan White. Yeah, yeah, still um, though. Yeah, White requested that his resignation be withdrawn and he be reinstated, and the mayor, Moscone, uh, initially agreed, however, upon further consideration. Moscone wanted to appoint someone uh, more in line with the growing ethnic diversity of the district. Uh, Dan White remarked to his two aides who were working for his reinstatement, you see that? One day I'm on the front page, and the next I'm swept right off of it. And on November 27th, 1978, a half hour before the press conference, White avoided metal detectors by entering City Hall through a basement window, went to Moscone's office, where witnesses heard shouting and gunshots. No. White shot Moscone, that's the mayor, in the shoulder and chest, twice in the head. Then he quickly walked to his former office, reloading his police-issue revolver, and intercepted Milk, asking him to step aside for a moment. Then more gunshots were heard, and Diane Feinstein found Milk, Harvey Milk, face down on the floor, shot five times, including twice in the head. Jesus Christ. So fucking dark. Uh, I just want to uh, end with this quote from Milk that I found that I find interesting, especially right now and the young people in the altoona pennsylvanias and the richmond minnesotas who are coming out and hear anita bryant in television and tell her story the only thing they have to look forward to is hope and you have to give them hope hope for a better world hope for a better tomorrow hope for a better place to come to if the pressures at home are too great hope that it will all be all right Without hope, not only gays, but the blacks and the seniors, the handicapped, the us's. The us's will give up. And if you help elect to the Central Committee and other offices more gay people, that gives a green light to all who feel disenfranchised. A green light to move forward. It means hope to a nation that has given up. Because if a gay person makes it, the doors are open to everyone. Wow. It's so beautiful. They said that in the movie, eh? Yeah, they did. Furthermore, I'll just say, I cannot prevent anyone from getting angry or mad or frustrated. I can only hope that they'll turn that anger and frustration and madness into something positive. So that two, three, four, five hundred will step forward. So the gay doctors will come out. The gay lawyers, the gay judges, gay bankers, gay architects. I hope that every professional gay will say enough. Come forward and tell everybody, wear a sign. Let the world know. Maybe that will help. So amazing, eh? Like, it's changed so quickly. I feel like that now Now it's, like, to the system more. Now yeah. we would be remiss to, like, tell people to come out. That's right. Or 
it's changed. The onus is not on us anymore. Yeah. Or it should be turning it around. Uh, like, uh, or yeah, we're trying to. Yeah. Hopefully that, yeah. that would be like, um, effective, but it's hard to tell. Right. And it's just so strange. Like that wasn't that long ago and it's still the same beast that we're battling. Like, yeah. um, it, we can go into this another time, but Anita Bryant, like the whole, um, pillar of the Christian family values movement was kind of galvanizing, um, America at the time. And we see that again right now. Uh, yeah. The president and, and even Ontario's premier, like are backed by these, um, churches, churches, not again, not that all churches, um, are of this persuasion, but, uh, yeah, a lot a lot of Christianity has money and vested interest in um family values, let's just say, right? Money fucking talks. Yeah, right? It's just so fucked. It's like it's like we're seeing the the beast hasn't changed, but the way that we need to deal with it maybe has. Yeah. Um anyway, thanks for sharing that. That's really fascinating and really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um and it's fucked like I mean the movie really heavily alludes to um Dan What's his name? Dan White. White, yeah. To Dan White. I always want to say Dan Brown, but he wrote the Da Vinci Code. Um, to to <laughs> Dan not. to Dan Brown being Dan like White. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dan Brown. Um, I'm just kidding. To Dan White being homophobic, and it's the same thing in this. Like Paul Bateson, like there's yeah. a lot of internalized shit that causes people to go so fucking not so. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Are we okay? Is this fine? <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. Like, I'm, I, that last speech that he made about hope is um, something that I have to try to hold on to on my raft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot, yes. will you do me a favor? Yes. Will you look to your nine o'clock? So I'm currently looking at Pamela with amazing fringe dress, like fringes right up. The whole dress is fringed. It's um, awful. It's made of toilet paper. Yeah. Uh, she's she's stunning. She's regal. She's queen of the forest. She has two massive pigtails tied in the center with bangles yeah. from an arm. Uh, and she has twigs in, in her hair. She's uh, she's giving me like she's, druid. She, yeah. Druid vengeful goddess. She lives in a tomb. Yeah. Uh, in a forest. She awakens once every 36th autumnal. She's the goddess of the autumnal moon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she helps rising, with the harvest. Rising Pisces. Rising Pisces. <laughs> uh, her moon is waning Aquarius, I she, feel. Um, uh, like, I'm getting my period looking at her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I've started leaking from both orifices. <laughs> all of them, both? in fact. I don't know. Do uh, I have yeah, and she's like uh, sort of uh, very Titania. She is very Titania. And um, just loving the earth and spirits and Lilith Fair. <laughs> she has something to share with us, actually. <gasps> oh, my God. We should have done that off the bat. Everyone stop listening after all that depressing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I know, like, in all honesty, I do do it to cope. But the way that it went, it doesn't sound cope, like, copable. I um, think it is. We have a phenomenal... Uh, well, Pamela has a phenomenal... Announcement? Yeah, piece of fucking news. Oh, my uh, God. Tell me. She's fucking pregnant, Tom. She's fucking what? pregnant. Okay, I have numerous questions for you. Number one. Ask me, yes. Who got her pregnant? Look at this druid queen. It was clearly uh, an act of immaculate conception. It was immaculate. It was immaculate. It was the moon. It was the moon. Yeah. She has the moon baby inside of her. Oh my god, moon baby. Uh, 
Okay. What's she doing about this pregnancy? Like, is there an event to be held? Of course there's an event. It's fucking Pamela. (laughs) So we have a cute little save the date. We just really want to celebrate the coming of her child into this world. Yes. Um, Bring frankincense, bring myrrh, bring gold. gold. Uh, Follow the star. Uh, Follow the star on November 19th. Save the date. Um, If you're listening from Bethlehem. If you're listening, come from Bethlehem to a manger. Uh, this sounds like a joke, but it's actually not a joke. It's going to be Bethlehem Mayhem. It's going to be Bethlehem <laughs> Mayhem. No. Uh, November 19th. Yes. Save that date. Yes. If you're by your phone right now, which you are because you're listening to this on it, probably say, Siri, save November 19th yep. for Pamela's... Baby shower. Baby shower. Um, At this baby shower... And gender reveal. She's going to reveal the gender of her baby. Yeah. She's so excited. Uh, we've she's tried not to, excited. She's mostly horrified. I'm excited. We've, but we've tried to explain to her that gender is a construct to which she just yells. She won't listen. She yells like an earth shattering yell and says, bring them on the 19th. Uh, <laughs> and so we're just, we have to, we shall. We're listening. Uh, I quake in fear as to what would happen if you didn't show up on November 19th. Quake in fear. Save the date. Um, are we going to say where or are we going to save that as well? Jesse says we're not allowed Jesse to say where because it's not finalized yet. But November listen, 19th, it'll happen. Listen. Save the date. Listen. Look. Keep looking out. Look. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> save that date. Uh, Elliot, do you have a silver lining for us? Yeah, I do. Uh, our friend, Shay, collective friend of all on this podcast and personal dear person, got back from a cute little excursion. I've talked about her on this podcast before um but saw her for the first time in five months and it was very wonderful and it's very nice to have um your chosen family back you know cute yeah tom what's yours did you find it interesting um this is a glimpse into our lives that like now when we hang out socially something's weird and different because all i feel like we should be talking about is injustice yeah yeah that's so true (laughs) but now when we're doing social things it's like weird to be with you elliot and like you know, like just talking shit or like, yeah. you know, being like, oh, yeah, we're just going to have fun playing this game or dancing or drinking. It's like, no, no, we have to talk about the issue. It's really healthy, I think, um, that we, there's, <laughs> there's something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, take that edge off. Uh, Tom so and I, any of our mutual friends, apologies. Multiple from apologies. what's happened to us. Tom and I had gay sushi today and I don't even think we said hi to each other, but <laughs> we sat down and started talking about the minutia of the Brett Kavanaugh hearing. <laughs> And it's all true. of the reactions and all of the discourse around it. Oh, it's true. What have you done to me? It's what have unraveled. you done to me? This it's is unraveled. not me. I used to be a lot more gay with a lot more head in the sand. I'm gayer now and my head's weighed out of the sand. Me too, you fucking queer monster monger. What's yours? Um, so, so we talked a lot about coping. I realized this morning what I need to cope and that's laughter. Cute. And I watched SNL, I watched Saturday Night Live, and they did a parody of the Kavanaugh hearing last night with Matt Damon and Rachel Dratch et al. And fucking Kate McKinnon as Lindsey Graham. You have to watch it. It's so good. It's brilliant. It's so funny. And more than anything, it's so needed. Yeah. I, I don't know about anyone else, but when times are dark and excruciatingly hopeless, like to to laugh 
is is such a relief and it just put it just like sort of reignites my brain because that's my medicine like that's how i cope and that's how i that's what i want to try to bring to the world in, yeah in darkness um i agree fail or not i agree um so it was just i, I was i was reminded of that uh tenfold today saturday night live so thanks that was great that's so good thank you saturday night live thank you <laughs> keep doing what you're doing thank you and ad bryant continues to be like the best thing that i've ever seen listen look i see you next Tuesday. <laughs> uh thanks for listening everyone we really appreciate it as usual we implore you to rate and review and subscribe us i know that's sort of like mamby pamby mm-hmm. um please check us out on facebook and instagram you can email us at do you queer what i queer at gmail.com find us on twitter perhaps perhaps um if you feel like being super generous, you can donate to our Patreon account, which we're going to clean up and make all fancy eventually. <laughs> I was going to say, don't make yeah. promises Once yet. we demand that Jesse does that. Yeah, Jesse. Um, and thanks, as usual, for listening. We love you. So much. We love you. Check out our Insta for pics from shit that we talked about for Pamela pics. Yeah. DM on there. Uh, we'll see you uh, not only next Tuesday, but on November 19th. November 19th. Save the date. Pamela will show up at your door. She'll mark it with an X. She'll come back a week later and you'll be missing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Is that that Moses? Thing? I don't know. I think okay, so. Right, I don't cool. really know what I just said. Um, see you next Tuesday. The Bible. Bye. Bible. Bible. <laughs> Bible. One, two, ready, go. Do you queer Come me tune in for more. That's a wrap. Yes. yes.